daughters before I got up here said, Dad, is your sermon going to be good? <laughs> got to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure how to take that. <laughs> um, we'll have to judge for yourself, I guess. But um, in any case, uh, hopefully this is a good one and that you enjoy it. But if not, uh, certainly you can hear from the Lord as we uh, open His Word together. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've had the opportunity to talk a great deal about God's grace and how that comes to us in Jesus Christ, uh, both in the person of Jesus as well as in the work of Jesus as we uh, looked at Jesus last week in his high priestly role for us and how he is the final sacrifice and the great high priest who with his own blood goes into the presence of God on our behalf to offer the last sacrifice that needed to ever be offered to cover over our sin and to make us right with God. And um, we also looked at what do we do to merit all of this action on, on God's uh, part uh, through Jesus Christ. What did we do? Nothing. Well, that's not precisely true. We did all of the sinning, and God did all of the saving. Amen? Amen. And, and because of God's great love for us, He not only purposes to save us, that's the role of God the Father, and He sends Jesus to save us, but then he also sends the Holy Spirit whose power brings about our salvation. So, in other words, every aspect of, of God's action in the world, including our salvation, is an act of the triune God. We are not, uh, we are not Muslims who believe in a unitary deity. We're not Jews who hold to a unitary deity. Uh, we're also not Mormons who hold to a polytheistic concept of God. Um, just so we're clear, Mormonism is not, not Christian, properly speaking. All right? I know that's a question that's come up in the news here this last week. Uh, we hold to a triune God, one God who eternally exists in three persons, and, it, and who has always existed as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and who will always exist as three persons. And all three of these persons of God act together in bringing about salvation. They don't have all the same role, but they have different aspects of our salvation that they bring about. And so we read in the Scriptures that God the Father predestined us from eternity past to the adoption as His sons. And that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was slain before the foundation of the world to bring about your, your salvation. In other words, before the earth was made, God's plan had already been put into, into, into motion. And it is just as if Jesus was already slain because your salvation was that certain. And then on top of that, he sends the Spirit into the world to actually achieve our salvation for us, to bring us into relationship with God. And so this week, we're going to look at, we've seen the role of the Father, and we've seen the role of the Son, and this week, we're going to look at how the Spirit brings about your salvation and mine. And so I want you to turn with me. We're going to be doing a lot of flipping today. I've got all the verses there in your outline, so if you miss one, 
you can uh, look it up. If you have something that goes by you as we're kind of blowing and going here, um, go to the website probably about Tuesday. We'll have the, have the sermon posted at chilibible.org, and you can, uh, you can go back through it uh, and listen to anything that you missed. Um, or you can just do that for giggles and grins. I don't, I don't care. But um, in any case, uh, that's there for you if you, if you want that. All right, uh, John chapter 16, verses 8 to 10 is what we're going to look at first. Chapter 16, uh, Jesus is talking about how he's going to be going away, and he's going to be going back to the Father, but when he goes, he's going to send the Spirit. And this is what he says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, what Jesus is teaching here is that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world. This is step one in salvation. This is step one. That people need to have an awareness, first of all, that they need it. Amen? You, you, in, in order to get somebody found, they have to realize that they are lost. And the Holy Spirit's job in the world at large is to convict the world that they are lost, to make it plain. And Jesus is telling them that there's the new era of the Spirit that the prophets had foretold is about to enter in. You know, you read in Joel, and you read in Ezekiel, and you read in Jeremiah and Isaiah about the day when the Spirit is going to come. Remember, in Joel it says, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all men. Remember that? It's fulfilled in Acts 2. But this is before that, and Jesus is saying, this is coming. The new era of the Spirit is coming. And God is not going to simply rely on the conscience of people. God has put a conscience, a moral sense in every human being so that they have an awareness of sin. And every human being has that awareness. If you don't believe me, find their car and whack it with something. And they will not say to you, hmm, I don't know, you know, should I, how should I feel about that? They will say, no, that is wrong, that is evil, and your insurance better pay for that, right? Why? Because they have a sense of right and wrong. And so we use words like ought and ought not, and should and shouldn't. And when we see things that bother us, we say there ought to be a law, right? Why? Because every single human being while we can act like their you know morality is just sort of relative to the person we can't react like that and so you can be as atheistic as you want to be but when somebody does something to you which violates the moral sense god has put in you you're going to react like an 18th century puritan and you're going to say that is wrong and may judgment fall upon you right why? Because God has put that in us. But in, in the new era of the Spirit, God is not simply going to rely on that. He's also going to send forth the Spirit into the world and to do three things. And first, He's going to convict the world of sin. 
he's going to work in people's hearts to point out the sinfulness of their sin and to enable them to feel guilt over it. Even if they wouldn't necessarily know or recognize or acknowledge uh, that word, what they're going to have is the Spirit's work in their heart that this is not the way it's supposed to be, and I don't conform in my own behavior and thoughts and speech to the way that things ought to be. And so when you do wrong, you feel bad. Why? Because the Spirit is at work in your heart, leading you toward God. And he's also, Jesus says, going to convict the world of righteousness. Jesus says here in verse 11 that he is going to the Father. And so he is no longer going to be visibly present in the world in the way that he was before. If you wanted to go and see Jesus, you could. You had to go to wherever he was at. Oh, I hear Jesus is in Galilee, and so off you'd troop to Galilee. Or I hear Jesus is in Capernaum, and off you'd go. Or he's in Cana, or he's in Jerusalem, and you would go there to see Jesus. But the Spirit is going to be poured out and be available to every person. And he is going to convict the world of righteousness. In other words, that there is a standard that God has of righteousness and that you as an individual do not meet it. And that in our heart of hearts, you will, you will know that no matter how many Girl Scout cookies you buy, no, how, no matter how many boxes of Boy Scout popcorn you have purchased, okay, uh, no matter how many old ladies you have visited at the nursing home, no matter... Uh, how many bedpans you have swapped at the hospital, no matter you know what good deeds you can think of, no matter how much money you've given to this church. Let me think about that one. Um, no, no matter how much money you have given to this church, you still will not attain to God's standard of righteousness, right? God cannot be bought by good things. And here's something else that we, and we know that. How do we know that? The Spirit is at work. And so we know intuitively in our hearts that no matter how many good deeds someone does, they're still guilty before God. Amen? Every murderer, every single one, if you go to the sentencing hearing, his mama will be there if she's alive, and she will say, he's such a good boy. He loves his mama. He's just done some, a few bad things right? But here's the reality. That's probably true. He probably does, has done a lot of good things, and he probably does love his mama. But guess what? The law doesn't care about all the good things that you've done, because they in no way counterbalance all the evil, do they? And so the Spirit is sent into the world to convict the, the world of righteousness and to tell us that there is no way that by doing good stuff, that we can make up for our sin. And finally, the Spirit convicts the world of judgment. In other words, this idea that there is going to be a judgment and that every person is going to stand before God and have to give account for himself or herself. And that if the standard is my sin and my failure to line up with God's righteousness, then I'm going to be judged. 
And if there is a hell, I'm going to go there justly. And the idea is, the reason the Spirit is at work doing this is not simply so that everybody can feel really awful about themselves, but so that they would cry out to God for mercy. And that they would, because of that, receive it. Now, um, if you're an unbeliever, I want to do this a little differently. Normally, I wait until the end and give all the application. I want to give you some application right now on this. If you are an unbeliever, in other words, if you are someone who has never trusted personally, I'm not talking about your grandmother, your great aunt, your uncle who was a Methodist minister, you know, none of that. I'm talking about you personally. If you personally have never placed your personal trust in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sin, then guess what? Your sin makes you guilty before God who has a righteous standard that you don't meet, and you will, as a result of that, be judged and cast into the lake of fire unless you turn from your sin, throw yourself on the mercy of God, and allow the Lord to cover your sin with the blood of Christ and say, Lord, I can't measure up. I don't measure up, and I want to receive the new life that your thoughts, your money, are you yielding your behavior even in secret areas that nobody knows about but you and the Lord? If there's any area of your life which remains unyielded to the Spirit, then you need to give yourself up today and say, Lord, I have been wrong. I have been keeping you at a distance. I have not been allowing your Spirit to work because I've been determined to have my own way. Father, forgive me. Help me. Trust you. Help me to rely on the Spirit's power to bring change that I know I need. All that the Spirit does is done for the purpose of glorifying God. And whether it is in convicting sinners or saving sinners or transforming believers, it's all done for the purpose of bringing glory to Jesus Christ. And he does this so that we can bring him glory right along with the Spirit. We are supposed to be trophies of God's grace. You know what a trophy is, right? You succeed in some task or you shoot a big buck or Boone and Crockett bear or whatever, and you put this up as trophies, you know, manifestations of your manly prowess, right? Get a, uh, a really attractive gal that we marry and we show her off, right? Um, why do we do that? Because it's manifestation of our power, right? Here's the thing. God has trophies too of saved, redeemed, 
transformed sinners who have no claim on His grace, but who receive it anyway. And as they allow the Spirit to work in His life, they bring Him glory. They bring Him glory because He is able to say, Hey, have you seen? Look at her. Look at him. Isn't it amazing what my power is able to achieve with what I had to work with? (laughs) Okay. And he's able to say that about everybody who comes into relationship with him through faith in Jesus. He transforms us and makes us into something glorifying to him. And so if you're repentant of your sin, if you're worshiping him for his greatness and thanking him today for his love, Let's glorify the Lord together. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful, merciful love. Who indeed would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? And that by your power, you could take me. You could take these who are here. You could take billions of people around the world who are together responsible for the murder of your son. And by the blood of your son, cover over their sin. And then by your Holy Spirit, impart righteousness to them, transforming them, regenerating them, making them into objects that glorify you and bring you fantastic honor. That we are able to say of ourselves, It's amazing what God has done to me and to her and to him and to all these throughout history that you have brought your saving work about in. Father, we thank you for your greatness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping you, not as people from far off, but as sons you have adopted into your family. And Father, we fall down before you, testifying of your grace with thankfulness of heart. We pray in Jesus' name.